across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Some of you might be old enough to remember that that was the way Listen With Mother used to start. And this week we are going to adopt that kind of vibe. Cool, calm and connected. It looks like we're going to be here for a while. Only yesterday Jenny Harries, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer for England, admitted that it might be six months before we have any kind of normality back. So we might as well get used to the way we are living now and enjoy it. All weekend I've been seeing weird and wonderful ways that people are passing the time. Uh, so I'd quite like you to get involved and tell us what those things are. Watching Columbo, doing quizzes, making jigsaws and even talking to one another. Uh, let's get some of your tips on how to keep yourselves busy while whiling away the hours. Do try and keep them clean, please. Today, we will take stock of what is happening around the world, why China's casualty numbers are now being questioned and what is likely to be the next move for the government. As ever, we want to hear your experiences, your stories and, of course, what you are seeing and hearing out there because you are our eyes and ears and you are as important as anyone else out there. One of the things that we have seen is people behaving better. One of the things we've also seen is some police officers behaving rather uh, overzealously, you might say. And one of the other things we've seen uh, is people just more and more getting used to being distant from one another, not being as close as they would normally be. People actually thinking about it as you walk along a street. People actually thinking about it as you meet them uh, in public places. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we will talk to Royal Author Charles Ray on the news that President Donald Trump has refused to pay for the security costs of Harry and Meghan now that they have moved to California. And it might be cold out there, but the clocks have gone forward and spring is also in the air. So for the homeschooling section of the show today, we're going to talk gardens and gardening with our resident expert, Mr. James Max. 0344 499 1000. And as usual, of course, we are live streaming on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter. Get on it now. Uh, watch us and subscribe as well. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Lots for us to do this morning, many of you to talk to. Uh, please do keep your calls coming in because we know that you are the most important people here uh, in this particular Talk Radio equation because you tell us what you see, you tell us what you're being told, you tell us how you're being treated, uh, both at work uh, and out there on the streets, and that's what we can pass on to everybody else. 0344 499 1000 is the number. We're going to talk now, though, to Dr Joe Grove from the Institute of Immunity and Transplantation. We just talked about the BCG uh, vaccination. Let's talk now about how close we might be to a vaccination uh, against the coronavirus. Dr Joe, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. We had an interesting conversation first up this morning with um, with uh, one of our professors, um, Professor Carroll, who told us basically that uh, the BCG um, uh, vaccination might have had led to some kind of breakthrough over in China. Um, I don't know whether you can speak about that, but but as far as the, the actual vaccination being worked on for coronavirus, how, how's that coming along? Um, so I, I can't speak about this link with the BCG, but I can give you a summary of, of where the global vaccine efforts currently are. Yes. Um, so just to make it clear, the point of a vaccine is to educate your immune system, to teach it how to fight new infections like the coronavirus. Right. Um, you can either teach the immune system to recognize the virus and neutralize it, 
or you can teach your immune system to recognize infected cells, and then your immune system can kill those. Right. If, you, if your immune system can do either of those things, you can dampen down infection uh, and prevent severe disease. Right. And that would have the effect then, presumably, of, of not um, allowing the disease to be quite so fatal and quite so dangerous. People would still get it, in other words, but it would be less harmful. Well, a, a very, if, if we get a good vaccine, it will prevent infection. So if you produce antibodies that are able to neutralize the virus, this means if you, even if you're exposed to the virus, the virus is inactivated by your immune system before it can even establish an infection. OK. So as far as other vaccines go, you can't really make any connection between whether they would, they would be good, helpful or not. Well, certainly no other uh, pre-existing vaccines um, uh, are likely to provide any pr protection against coronavirus. Mm. The, the, the wonderful thing about the immune system is that it is very specific. It can recognize specific um, germs, in, uh, viruses or bacteria. Um, but that means that a vaccine against one particular virus won't necessarily protect you against another virus. Right, OK. One of the interesting things I was talking to someone about over the weekend was about the way that our immune system reacts currently to coronavirus. And in fact, it's in many ways the, the, the immune system which, which leads to pneumonia. Is that right? That is correct. There is um, increasing evidence that the severe disease may be caused by an inappropriate immune response. And it may be that that happens more frequently in older people. Mm. And that's why there are poorer outcomes for those individuals. Right. And, and so, I mean, would the vaccine be able to, or would those working on the vaccine be able to sort of delineate, if you like, whether certain people are more susceptible or, you know, certain antibodies in, in certain people's systems are different? Well, yeah, that, that's a very important question. And that will... Um, that, that, that's effectively part of the safety testing. Right. So there are a number of, of candidate vaccines that, be, that are being developed all across the world. Uh, for instance, there's a trial started in Seattle recently, and there's also a trial just initiating in, in Oxford. And for all of those, they will first uh, need to go into healthy volunteers to see what kind of immune responses, uh, immune responses those people get and make sure that they don't have any... Um, uh, side effects and then those immune responses will need to be characterized and ensure that they provide protection and do not in some way exacerbate the disease so it, the vaccines that we all receive the routine vaccines these are all very very safe because they have been tested so thoroughly and much the same as those, the new coronavirus vaccine will need to go through that same level of testing to ensure that it's both safe and protective. OK. And are we at any stage near that protective uh, and safe testing way, uh, sort of method? Um, we're some way off. This, um, there is a clear pipeline down which vac uh, candidate vaccines need to go to ensure that they are safe and protective. So the trials that are starting just now are just in a small number of healthy individuals just to make sure that the vaccines don't have any intrinsic uh, negative effect on those people and also just to look at some of their initial immune responses. Okay. After that initial phase, we can then go on to asking a slightly larger number of people whether or not some of those vaccines provide any protection against coronavirus. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, I don't know um, much about medicine, as you probably know. I just sit here and talk for three hours a day. Um, but basically, um, I've never seen anything like this. I, I'm assuming that people like yourself have never seen anything like this either. Well, no, I think um, 
I mean, there is a precedent for this in the 1918 Spanish flu. Mm. But you're right, in living memory, this is pretty much an unprecedented event. And the world has changed a lot since 1918. It's so much more interconnected yes. now. So we have, um, yeah, it's a, a very unusual event to have a new virus emerge and for there to be 7.7 billion people who could all potentially get it in a very short yeah. amount of time. And what do you make of the argument of herd immunity and the fact that if enough time goes by and we completely flatten the bell curve for long enough, everybody ends up getting it and therefore then you don't really need a vaccine? Well, this is um, a, a well-established concept in epidemiology. Yeah. And, um, and it's worth thinking about. Um, however, the, way, the most desirable way to achieve herd immunity, and herd immunity is when you have so many people immune within a population that the virus can no longer spread. Um, the most desirable way to achieve that is with a vaccine and not through natural infection. Yeah. The, the risk of trying to achieve it through natural infection is that unless you adequately protect the vulnerable, vulnerable people within your communities, they are likely to be also exposed and it's those individuals that might have a bad outcome. So it's quite a high-risk strategy to try and allow herd immunity through natural infection. And it would appear that the UK strategy is now shifting away from that. Yes. But if there was to be a vaccine that, that was discoverable and was usable then, um, and enough people were able to, to get it, would that effectively then mean the virus finishes and, and dies off and doesn't keep coming back? Um, that is a that is the sixty four trillion dollar <laughs> question, really. <Yeah. laughs> um, so there's a number there's a number of things we don't know yet about the virus. Uh, for instance, um, some other co related coronaviruses, because there are other human coronaviruses that cause mild disease like the common cold. The immune responses against those common coronaviruses doesn't necessarily last your entire life. Mm. So we need to know if we, uh, either through natural infection or through a vaccine, how long is immunity against this new coronavirus? And that would be critical to determining whether or not we can get rid of it or whether or not it's going to continue circulating at a, at a low level. Mm. And as far as your kind of monitoring of it is, is concerned, is it doing all the things that you would have expected it to do? Is it it's not sort of changing its nature or anything? Well, it, it, I'm not too concerned about it changing drastically. Um, so viruses naturally mutate. This is just a natural process. Yeah. And most of the mutations that viruses get are bad for the virus. Uh, but every now and then, a virus will get a, a mutation that, that, it, that is advantageous to it. However, this virus is already circulating pretty well and spreading between people. So it's not going to be able to improve on this much. So I don't expect it to change necessarily. Also, um, compared to other viruses like flu, um, coronavirus is unusual in that it, its mutation rate is slower than a virus like flu. So it naturally doesn't accumulate mutations quite so quickly. And that's another reason to be optimistic. OK. Dr Joe Grove, appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, he's from the Institute of Immunity and Transplantation at University College London, uh, where they're currently working on a, uh, all sorts of lab-based um, solutions, if you like, and vaccines uh, against the coronavirus. But it sounds as though it's quite a long way off and it's not going to be something that we can rely upon anytime soon. I do want to hear from all of you out there, though. What are you seeing? What are you being told? What are people doing? What are your employers doing? And if you are one of those self-employed people that's trying to get money, 
by all means, let us know what's going on. Uh, if you're having any problems or making any breakthroughs, it would be good to share that information with everybody else. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Some lovely things are happening out there in amongst all of the horribleness, uh, which it's important to remember as well. We're going to talk to Andrew Bridgen in a moment. Let me just read you this from Lydia, uh, who's tweeted in. She says, my mum's neighbours, four young people who share a house, are choristers for Wells Cathedral. In the evenings, they've been singing in their front garden for the street to hear. Um, I believe this particular piece they're singing uh, is by the English composer Gerald de Finzi. Uh, I've also had a tweet from someone who said that um, they were in a petrol station uh, and somebody from the NHS was filling up their car with petrol and somebody who was already paying for their own petrol also paid for the NHS person's petrol. And when the NHS person went to pay for their own petrol, they were pretty much overcome with emotion to find out that someone else had already paid it for them uh, by way of thanks. So some lovely things going on uh, because we are, as a country, as a nation, a nation of very, very splendid people altogether. Some of those people on the left, uh, and I'm not even going to mention his name at the moment, but somebody has tweeted a most ghastly thing about Dominic Cummings, who's currently gone into self-isolation. Uh, it really does beg a belief what some of these lefties come out with. Let's talk to Andrew Bridgen, no Conservative MP for North West Leicestershire, of course. Andrew, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Nice to have you back on the airwaves. I know you were off uh, in self-isolation for a while. How did that go, and, and are you OK now? I'm OK now. Uh, I'm 99% sure I've had it. I didn't have a test okay. up in Leicestershire. Um, so, obviously, I'm really looking forward to us developing this antibody test. Yes. Um, so that we can um, find out how many people have actually had it. And hopefully, if you've got the antibodies, um, you're going to be immune. Um, and obviously, that opens up uh, is a game changer because it opens up the ability for those people who've had the, uh, the virus and uh, recovered to uh, get to work and get the economy moving and our society moving forward. And personally, <clears throat> given the fact that uh, the, the, uh, the, the virus which started in Wuhan in China, uh, the secrecy of the Chinese government in, in covering up uh, for, for many weeks uh, its occurrence, uh, I think the, the virus has probably been kicking around in the UK for longer than we think, in which case the the upside of that is there could be considerable numbers of us who are, are already immune. Yes, absolutely right. And I was having this conversation at the top of the hour with Rod, Rod Wyeth from Chatham House because surely this must change our relationship with China, uh, whether it's by trade, whether it is in, in, in sort of social affairs, but uh, but in all sorts of ways, this, this really does highlight the problem with being too close to China, doesn't it? I think what it's done is it's opened people's eyes to the way that the Chinese communist government work. I mean, any attacks uh, on the situation and, and China, the Chinese government's conduct of their affairs and their openness or lack of it over the start of the, uh, the pandemic is no attack on the Chinese people or the huge Chinese diaspora around the world. This is, this is the conduct of the Chinese communist government, which we must not forget is, is a dictatorship. President Xi has just announced that he's going to be uh, leader for life. Uh, that sounds like a dictatorship to me. Yeah. And obviously, coupled with uh, their embracing uh, capitalism some years ago, gives them huge power. And it's, it's power that is not, uh, is not moderated by democracy or accountability to the Chinese people or anybody else. Or anybody else. That's the problem, isn't it? Well, that's right. And, and every bit of trade we do with them, we empower them ever more. Obviously, I'm 
I opposed uh, their involvement, Huawei's involvement, which is effectively a state-owned company, as, as they all are in yes. China, um, uh, in our 5G development. Um, and I think that this is not the time for that reckoning with uh, the Chinese government's conduct. It's not the time now. We're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic in our own country. But there will be a time for this. And people should not forget the lessons what we, we've learned of, of how the communist Chinese government uh, operate. Yes. I mean, are you one of those who would sort of advocate some form of um, punishment or some form of compensation financially that China should make to the rest of the world? Well, you, you can ask for what you want. I mean, um, at the end of the day, I don't think the... Uh, the leadership of the Chinese Communist government are likely to respond to that. However, um, we should not be empowering them. And, you know, they not only suppressed information when they knew it was being transmitted person to person, they actually said that it wasn't being transmitted person to person in China when they, they all the evidence shows that they, they knew it was. Indeed, they detained uh, clinicians in China uh, who tried to alert people to the risks of the new corona outbreak back in very early January, late December, uh, which is uh, ultimately, very, very sadly, around the world, that delay in informing the world of the crisis to come will have cost tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives. And, and someone's got to be held to account for that. The Chinese people themselves cannot hold their own government to account, given the lack of democratic accountability we've already talked about. Right. But we can but is there no way of sort of leveraging the, um, the, the trade that the, the rest of the world does with China? Because, I mean, China's economy uh, can only presumably be as fragile as everybody else's. And if they can't produce enough goods to sell to the rest of the world because the rest of the world says no thanks, surely that's a reasonably good persuasive technique, isn't it? There are many measures we can take against them. I would have thought, yes, uh, uh, trade sanctions would be uh, uh, one route. But also I think what we've... What this crisis would have demonstrated is the fragility of, of these long supply chains for all sorts of businesses. And that with those cheap prices from China, there's got to be a risk. And, and the risk has, has come home to roost at the moment uh, with interruption of trade. And uh, obviously, every bit of trade we do with China, we, we make them stronger. Um, and they're not. They're not a benevolent force out there in the world. They're not. They're not what they... they they pose themselves as being. It's interesting that they've been offering uh, um, me medical support to some countries around the world who are fairly desperate in taking it. But we know that um, in, from early January, they, they'd set up companies around the world that were buying up medical supplies mm. from places like Australia. Right. Um, there's always a, the difference. Between, it's not what people say, it's what people do. I think we've got to judge uh, people around the world on. Yes, I think that's right. And also their involvement in places like Africa, um, uh, their sort of um, uh, empirization almost of an awful lot of the South Pacific and, and Southeast Asia in general, Taiwan as well. You know, I mean, there's an awful lot to look at in terms of their influence. Yes, and, and they offer very cheap credit terms. Uh, they're not averse to uh, corruption. Uh, they will pay, you know, they'll offer credit terms to, to 120, 130% of the contract value. Where do you think the extra 30% is going? I mean, one of the problems with the Huawei deal for 5G is that um, they're effectively offering the kit at 30 years interest-free credit. I mean, yeah. that's effectively free. Um, anything in life that's too good to be true 
probably is. There's a, there's a cost for it, and even at free, if uh, if that kit means that our allies in the Five Eyes, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the USA, don't wish to sh- share their secrets with us because of the risk it's getting back to the Chinese government, uh, even at uh, getting the kit for nothing is a price that's far too high for us to pay. Yes, exactly right. And as far as the Huawei deal is concerned, I mean, Tom Tugendhat was on this morning still questioning it. I mean, where exactly are we with that? Because it still seems to me to be kind of one that nobody quite understands exactly how far along we are. Um, well, there's, there's clearly that um, earlier generations uh, of 4G, there is um, Chinese involvement in that infrastructure. Um but what we do know is I think New Zealand are uh, currently um, using a system. I think it might be either a Nokia or an Ericsson system yeah. with no involvement with Chinese companies whatsoever. So it can be done. It may be more expensive. But can you imagine the cost if we put the Chinese infrastructure in, find out that they are spying on us and then have to rip it back out again? There'll be a, a huge cost to that, uh, irreparable damage to our national security. And again, that, that's a price if, if it means that we don't get the 5G technology quite as quickly and it's more expensive, I think uh, that it would be a price worth paying for our national security. Mm. Yes. We're, not, we're not leaving the European Union, taking back control of our borders, our monies and our laws to, uh, to give all our secrets away to a, a, a malevolent foreign power. Yes. I think that's absolutely right. And I think the more people that start talking like this, Andrew, the better. Thank you very much indeed. Andrew Bridging, Conservative MP for North West Leicestershire. Because uh, I've got Carol has sent me this, right, uh, from the Mail on Sunday. Tory party, former Tory party leader Ian Duncan Smith has said this. For too long, nations have lamely kowtowed to China in the desperate hope of, wi- of winning trade deals. But once we get clear of this terrible pandemic, it is imperative that we all rethink that relationship and put it on a much more balanced and honest basis. Well, I think there's enough people in this country uh, and in this world who can surely put pressure both financial commercial and political onto uh, the Chinese government and make sure that we do not have a situation where China is so capable of lording it over the rest of the world so capable of being part of our telecommunications network and being capable as well of huge influence in countries like the United States and Britain I don't think we need that at this point in time and I think we need to fix it and change it Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, here with you until one o'clock. Of course, Ian Collins and Kevin O'Sullivan are coming in after that. Lots to do here, though, between now and then, because today uh, it is 12.30, just after, and it's time for the homeschooling section of the show, which was terribly successful last week. A lot of parents really said it was helpful to them, even just to sit their children around the radio for 15 minutes, uh, where they didn't have to actually speak to them uh, and tell, tell them anything. Because right now, we are going to a man who's an expert in many things, and until this week, I didn't actually know that he was also an expert in gardening. He is, of course, James Max. James, very good afternoon to you. 
very good afternoon to you. I'm slightly worried about being uh, billed as an expert <laughs> in the garden. I was perhaps an enthusiastic amateur, okay. but certainly very keen. All right. Well, I mean, in any event, that's that's of some worth to us because there are lots of people listening to this who probably don't even have a garden and would be grateful for any kind of information that they could get on maybe setting up a window box even and just having something to look at, something that grows in the house. Because it, at this time of, uh, of a sort of self-isolation, it's nice to be able to have some things that are around you that you can look at. Certainly is. And, and this is the time of the year where, in fact, you should be busy. If you've got a garden, you'll probably know that it's all beginning to grow. Mm. It's beginning to, we're seeing a lot of blossom and we're beginning to see the weather change. And now the clocks have moved forward. It really is action stations in the garden. And quite frankly, I don't know how I managed before when I actually had a job and, and, and wasn't able to get out there because yes. I've been so busy. It's one of those things. So it is one of those things that can become quite an obsession as well, isn't it? It absolutely is an obsession because I think there are there are sort of three or four aspects to it which are really, I, I suppose, important but also can be fun as well. So uh, the garden is a lovely place to be, clearly in isolation. Uh, you can go into your garden. You can't necessarily go outside the front of your house, but you can if, you've, if you're lucky enough to have a garden, you can go there. Uh, so it's a nice place to be social. Uh, it's also a nice place to look at. Flowers particularly at the moment. We've got uh, all sorts of daffodils out. The tulips are coming up. Uh, we've got lots of uh, spring blossoms. Mm. Uh, we've got uh, many things which are beginning to show their green shoots and grow. So that means that if you're interested in flowers, now is the time to make sure that, for example, you've got your climbing roses and make sure that they're all tied up and clipped in the right way. If you've got growing uh, bushes for things like uh, blackberries and raspberries, they're all beginning to show signs of life and you've got to make sure they're in order. And also your strawberry plants. This weekend, for example, mm. I have been taking out the old strawberry plants, putting them in pots, trying to sort them out, clear out the uh, clear out the new ones, and make sure that they're all ready. Because if you get them right now, it means in a couple of months' time they will actually bear fruit. But if you don't prepare them, then it's all a bit higgledy piggledy, and your crop, um, the amount of cropping, will be right down. Mm. So if you tend to them, and this is something that you don't actually need to do anything other than dig them up, sort them out, give them some space, and put them back in uh, where they've come from, as opposed to having to have a huge amount of other equipment. Because uh, you know, with so many places closed, you. You can't get all the fertilisers and the yes. soils and the seeds and all the other stuff that you might like to have. Yeah, I'm assuming garden centres are not open at the moment, but, but I don't know the answer to that, but, but, but probably most of them are closed. No, 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 they're, 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 they're definitely closed at the moment. The one thing that you can get, though, on, on the internet is that you can definitely get, even though they've been ravaged and a lot of people have taken a lot of seeds, there are still some good seeds available. And they're the easiest ones to grow, for example, if you're interested in having uh, some fruit and veg, very easy to grow different kinds of beans, whether they be runner beans or dwarf green beans or even some of the heritage varieties. Some of the seeds I've seen online, they are available. They only cost a few pounds. They're really easy to sow. You just dig the soil up, shove them in, and then make sure you've got a few canes for them to uh, climb up. So they're really heavy croppers, mm. and you can really make a difference. And, uh, and, you know, it's fun to see stuff grow that you can then eat. It tastes so so different. Oh, it really does. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do that over the years in various different sort of guises. I once had, uh, when I was at university, we, we decided to become self-sufficient, partly due to the fact that nobody had any money. Um, and we had a garden, and we managed to grow some strawberries. We had them in a kind of a strange-looking sort of brown plastic bin with holes in it. And I seem to remember that they, that worked quite well. But you're saying you can pretty much grow them anywhere, can you? 
Yeah, strawberries are really easy to grow. There are some plants which are much more difficult. So if, for example, you, you want to go down a sort of a more specialised route, there are certain things that are just difficult. Mm. Strawberries, really easy. As long as you keep the birds off them, yeah. when, they, when they start to turn red, uh, they are very easy to grow. They'll grow in a bed. They'll grow in a pot. They'll grow, um, as you say, in, almost in a bucket with sort of different holes in there. They're quite low maintenance. Same with uh, beans. Beans are really easy to grow in pretty much any flower bed. They don't need uh, a particularly, um, you know, tended uh, soil. Mm. They'll they'll grow in a in a quite a sort of clay heavy soil, but they also grow in a nice light soil as well. So they're they're good and easy. Um, this weekend, I've also been sorting out my dahlia tubers, which was rescued from uh, last year. They they're a, a, a plant that you can sort of um, let them grow, and then at the end of the season, you chop them back, mm. and then you take out the tubers, keep them in store and now they're ready to go back into soil because what they get really excited about is being covered up by uh, soil and then just water and yes. then they'll start to shoot uh, they're going to be under glass uh, until about um, sort of end of May, beginning of June time, okay. and then they'll be going out and planted into the garden. Okay, because I was going to say, I mean, it's taken a bit of a turn for the colder uh, here in the capital city. I know you're not here at the moment, but um, is that a problem for people trying to put stuff out this week? Should they wait until it gets a bit warmer? If you've got stuff which is ready to be planted, I agree with you. Uh, it's definitely worth waiting because there might be a frost. And where, yeah. where it's particularly going to be an issue to gardeners is if you get a frost uh, that we're seeing a lot of the uh, blossoms out, and particularly the fruit blossoms, if they get frosted and then they get frozen off, that can really set them back and, and can really limit the crop that you can have. There's not a lot you can do if it's a tree. Sometimes what people will do is, if they're really protective about it, they'll get some bags and stick the bags over so that they don't frost over. But that's kind of pro territory you kind of have to go with the with the with the with the weather and just hope that they don't get frozen off but you're right that taking stuff out of inside i mean for example if you don't have a greenhouse you can always plant stuff on your windowsill get the plants up and running and then put them out at the end of april beginning of may when it's unlikely that they're going to be hit either by uh, heavy frost or, or or wind which they really hate when they're when they're sort of little plants mm. just trying to grow yeah now if you were to advise somebody doing this for the first time, say, you know, a, a, a child of 10 or 11 who's listening to you now thinking, my goodness me, he said he wasn't an expert, but he certainly sounds like one. Uh, what would you suggest that they try and plant first? Something which is probably relatively hard wearing, maybe something that you could actually eat. I mean, maybe even... I mean, we, when we, have, we have very successfully grown bay leaf um, trees, which are so big now. They're so bushy. I mean, I just that's where I get all my bay leaves from. It's just amazing. And also, like, you can do... Um, um, you know, all sorts of different herbs. You can grow parsley, you can grow um, rosemary. You know, is, is that easy to do? Some of them are easier than others. I mm. mean, if you want a really easy crop that will grow, that you can probably buy the seeds online and they'll grow in pretty much any flower bed, radishes are a brilliant start. Okay. Because you get, the, you get the excitement of putting the radishes in and sowing them. Then you get the excitement of them growing up. Then you can thin them out and then they grow relatively quickly and they're... They're, they taste so different from the ones that you'll get in the supermarket that actually that's a, a worthwhile thing. I've already mentioned runner beans. I think runner beans are the most brilliant and easy thing to grow. When I was a child, uh, that was kind of, I think, the first thing I, my dad suggested mm. growing. You know, here are these. You, you plant them. It's really difficult for them not to grow. And again, uh, very easy to find online to get, the, uh, to get the seeds for those to pop them in the ground. And something else which really has a, an incredible effect on your garden, and again, quite easy to get the seeds, sunflowers, beautiful, 
beautiful because you know you can plant two three four yeah. and they'll you can watch them all the way through the stage and when they suddenly bloom and 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 you know the beautiful things wonderful absolutely great and what about weeds because that's obviously a problem for an awful lot of people um are you one of those that doesn't believe in using weed killer or or, or what do you do uh, I tend not to use weed killer because I just think that if you've got dogs and pets around, yes. you kind of want to steer clear of that sort of thing. Okay. So what I do, sadly, is uh, either I contract out elsewhere, and if I'm feeling full of, uh, <laughs> full of action and, and, uh, and, and uh, vigor, then uh, you, know, you, just have to, you just have to do weeding. So whether you do that manually, pulling them out and putting them in a pile, or whether you get at some kind of hoe or other, and, and then you know, just every few weeks you've just got to do it. It's, it's boring, but... You know, you, you just yes. got to make sure also that you don't confuse what you've planted with uh, the weeds that will inevitably come around, particularly if it's, you know, this time of year, they're all, you know, beginning. I've got nettles and things yes, around. Yes, nettles the, are a real the, problem. The, you know, the, they are, and you've got to wear very thick gloves. Those, those nettles will get through pretty much anything. Yes. So you've got to be careful with the nettles. But the other thing about nettles is that dev- if you don't pull them out from the root and slowly and boringly, then, and if you just sort of chop the heads off, then all come back again. So it's, it's good to get them early and get them out. Um, similarly, uh, if you've got bindweed, that's a real bind. Uh, you know, it's just a bother. So you've just got to pull them out slowly and gently and just get rid of them and then put them on the compost heap or throw it away, get them out of the way because they will grow back. They're, they're very prolific. Yes. And how do you uh, give, sort of make, make sure that you don't end up with either very sore knees or a, a very bad back from bending over the whole time? Um, well, some people, if they're really going to get into their gardening, then they'll get the excitement of having a raised bed. Mm. Um, or they'll get, um, you know, one of these trugs, which is a, a sort of a waist height thing where you can just buy a bag of uh, compost, shove it in, and then everything's at sort of waist height. And, and if, you, if you don't like getting down on your knees, then that's probably it. But, you know, if we're talking about children and, and younger people, to be honest, they shouldn't be worried about that. It's more about the amount of mess and mud that's going to come into the house yes. after having a really good session. In the yes, garden. absolutely right. Well, James, absolutely delightful to speak to you, as ever. You'll be back, I assume, uh, tomorrow morning for the early breakfast show? I will indeed, yes. Mad Max kicks off the show <laughs> at five o'clock. Uh, and then uh, and then we get into uh, all the all the big stories of the day and have a really good old chit chat and we've opened the phone lines as well and it's become really remarkably busy. Yes, it's great, isn't it? Because so many people have so many things that they can contribute to this situation. You know, either questions that they've got or just information that they've heard or that they they know about. It's really quite a remarkable time to be on the radio. It is a really remarkable time. And I think the other thing is that we're all doing things for other people. I've never seen so much sort of help and people wanting to get involved and help, whether it's neighbours or I've just been out shopping for my mum and dad and sorting them out. And it is quite entertaining when you take back the bags of shopping. Well, have you got this and have you got that? Uh, But we talk about all these things and all the issues that we're all facing. And uh, as you say, it is an incredible time to be on the radio, but it's incredible times that uh, if we all pull together, we will get through to the other side. We will indeed. James, thank you very much indeed. James Max, back tomorrow, early breakfast, 5am. Also, gardening expert. Who knew uh, that he knew so much about gardening, but very enthusiastic, as he just said. So if you've never tried it before, go and try it. If you can't get uh, anything out of a supermarket, because the supermarkets are quite busy at the moment, and you still have to queue up for about half an hour to get into any one of them, uh, you could possibly buy some of the seeds online and and start there. And even if you start out with just a window box of some description because you don't actually have a garden you can grow all those things that james suggested uh, in a window box i would suggest this is talk radio coming up next we're going to talk to kelly maloney boxing promoter about billy joe saunders the man who thought it was a really good idea to put out a video showing men how to beat up women what a plank 
Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. While uh, we're at it, talking about ridiculous things that are going on out there on the streets, Lorraine has tweeted in a picture of a traffic warden in Camden, which is, of course, a council in North London. Get the traffic wardens off the streets, Camden Council, she says. You are a disgrace. Certainly not the time to be giving out parking tickets, is it? It's also certainly not the time to be giving out advice on how to beat up women, which is what Billy Joe Saunders did uh, last week. And incredibly, uh, he now thinks by apologising for it that that makes everything okay. Kelly Maloney is going to join us very shortly but he was also on um, White and Saunders earlier on today um, and let's find out exactly uh, what was said. First of all, obviously I've, I've said apology on social media. Just want to say sorry to everyone obviously it's, it's offended. I looked at it as as uh, you know as as a bit of a joke at first. I wasn't obviously clearly thinking right. Um but, you know, looking back at it now, and I've had talks with management and and other people, and clearly now I can see the uh, destruction that is caused among um, among the women who suffering for uh, well suffering from domestic violence. You know, so it was obviously a silly mistake, but I didn't mean or, or intentionally mean to um, to cause any harm to anyone, and certainly wouldn't promote domestic violence. It's been done. I can't take it back. You know. Well, he says he can't take it back, but this is also a guy who, by the way, uh, who just appeared there on TalkSport on uh, White uh, and um, Sawyer. I don't know why I can't say White and Sawyer for some reason. Anyway, uh, let's talk to Kelly Maloney about what it is that is wrong uh, with Billy Joe Saunders. Because at the end of the day, he's already been filmed passing drugs to a prostitute or attempting to pass drugs to a prostitute, you'd think he would have learned his lesson. You'd think the boxing fraternity could do without this guy. Kelly, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thanks a lot for joining us. Um, what's wrong with him? Um, well, he's obviously not had any lessons in um, media training or PR, um, unfortunately. You know, boxers don't get that sort of training like other sports people do, and it's it's a downfall of the sport, and um, you know I think boxers think the more outrageous they are, the better it is. Well, come on, Kelly. Um, I mean, you don't you don't need to be trained into telling someone uh, that why beating up women is not a very good idea. Surely? I'm not. I'm not defending that. You asked me what's wrong with Billy Joel Saunders, and I'm just saying that he hasn't had the media training. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying that though. You're saying that it's it's not his fault. You're saying because nobody's told I'm him. I'm not saying it's. Not, I didn't say it's not his fault at all. You asked me what was wrong. I was. I don't know what's wrong with him. Maybe he's got. A, a, a mental problem. Maybe he's got a problem um, with communicating. I don't know. What he put out is not right as a joke or as a or or any any form. No violence towards anyone is um, is not is not acceptable. And especially in a time like this, because you know Billy Joel is a role should be a role model because he's a world champion. And even though if it was meant as a joke, you are going to get some people who actually may follow the instructions and that. That is the danger of things like that. Well, that's it. I mean, have you seen the video? I only see what you sent to me, but I've had a couple of friends who phoned me. I believe it's been taken. I mean, he's down, punching. He's punching a heavy bag, right? Which you'll be very familiar with because you've been in the business a long time. He's punching a heavy bag and ma and making out and, and talking about how he's hitting somebody in the face, then he's hitting them further that's down. It. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's given instructions, which is wrong. It's totally out of order. And, you know, the British Boxing Board of Control should pull him up as well. And should they not strip him of his title? Um, 
that would be the WBO, that wouldn't be the British Boxing Board of Control. But I know the British Boxing Board are pretty strict on things like that because of other fighters that have made um, unsavoury comments yeah. on, and used Twitter. Well, as I said, it's um, not so the first time, is it? Because he had this other uh, situation before where he was also filming himself, thinking it was very funny, um, you know, basically preying on this very vulnerable prostitute, uh, offering her drugs. No, I never saw that. To be honest, yeah. you know, I don't follow. I don't follow Billy Joel Sean's Twitter account. Um, so uh, no, neither do I. But I, I just notice it when he does something idiotic, and this is the second idiotic thing he's done. And I don't, I don't care to think about what the third idiotic thing is going to be. Well, unfortunately, education is very important, isn't it? And it's very much a lack of education and a lack of understanding of what's going on in the world. Yeah, but here's what happens, yeah. right? Because his, his management obviously said to him, you know, you better be careful, otherwise you're going to have no business to do. I would never condone domestic violence, and if I saw a man touch a woman, I would smash him to pieces myself. It's not exactly the greatest apology you've ever heard, is it? No, and it should be apology. There should have been no apology because it couldn't. It should have happened in the no, first place. No, exactly right. I mean, well, what do you think should you know, happen to him now? I mean, I don't. I don't think I want to see him ever fight professionally again. Well, I think he will turn a lot of women against him because you know women are quite big supporters now in boxing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I spoke to one girl today who's, who's a, who's a Billy, and she said, "Oh, he didn't really mean it." But I said, "But it doesn't matter if he meant it or not. It's out there. It's in the public domain." You know, I've made comments in the past which, as Frank Maloney, which I shouldn't have made, and I can never retract them um, because they're always out there in the public domain. And people forget this. The, the internet and, the, and Twitter and things like that completely can destroy a person's career, and this could be the start of Billy yeah. Dale's career being destroyed. Well, I don't think too many people would be upset if that was the case. You know, I, you know, I don't want to take anybody's ability to make money uh, or make a living away from them, but he's made a very good living out of boxing, and I don't buy this idea that because nobody's told him that he can't do stuff like that, he doesn't know that he can't do it. You know? I mean, these well, are two very unsavoury incidents that he's now been involved in, yeah. and I think he well, really was... needs to take a long, hard look at what he's, what he's doing. Yeah, if I was in the management team, I would say to him, your next fight, you either donate or at least donate a big proportion of your purse towards a charity for domestic violence, you know, and hope that people will forgive you. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Kelly, listen, thanks very much indeed. Kelly Maloney, uh, boxing promoter, of course, uh, with a few uh, words to say about uh, Billy Joe Saunders. I think the idea that this guy thinks he can just say sorry because uh, he needs to save his career because his management have told him to say sorry, and then his apology also contains the words smashing somebody to pieces. I mean, he really does need to get a life, this guy. Let's talk to Darren, uh, who is uh, on the phone from Walsall. Hello, Darren. Hello, Mike. How is it, mate? All yeah, right? very well, mate. How are you coping? Uh, good, yes. Uh, busy at work. Uh, just for a start, can I just say, I've just somebody just sent you, mate. Can you just have a look at that Femi's tweet about Dominic Cummings? Just have I've a look seen at that, it. Femi's tweet, I've seen it. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I'm, I'm not anyway. even, I don't want to give him the oxygen publicity, so I'm not even going to read it out. Um, yeah, yeah, but what, yeah, I, right. what I can tell you is that uh, he made himself plank of the week last week. I think he's going to win it again this week. <laughs> no surprise. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'll be brief. I, I do store deliveries, not the supermarkets, like your convenience stores. Oh, yeah. So a lot, a lot of our work, we have to push the stock into the front of the shop. Mm. Now, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing old age pensioners there at six o'clock in the morning waiting, waiting for it to open so they can get what they need and get out of there before yeah. the rush starts, right. yeah? But then, then I see people, and I, and I have challenged a few, and you just get a few expletives. Mm. I've seen people at two o'clock in the afternoon in the pyjamas, in the dressing gown, buying scratch cards. So, I, I, you know, I asked the one girl, are those really essential? Yeah. And she said, yes, they are to me. And, and the worst thing is, Mike, the girl at the shop said, I wouldn't mind, but that's the fifth time she's been in today. Dear you me. Know? 
uh, and I've seen people in there buying cans of Red Bull, yeah. buying a little, a little. I stopped a guy the other day, bought a little bottle of olive oil, and I said, "Mate, could you know? Is that really essential?" He says, "Oh yeah, it's for the wife." <laughs> you know what I mean? He, That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, the whole mate, point now is you're honest. supposed to go out and buy a bunch of stuff, not go out every day. Exactly. I, I don't think it, since the, the lockdown's done, I've probably delivered to thirty, forty stores, and I don't think I've seen two people with two carrier bags full yet. Really. Or what, or any person right. just popping in as if nothing's wrong, nothing's going on. Now, what this will lead to, and I think it will come, there will be an even more severe lockdown. Mm. There will have to be because yes. people are. Well, I was saying that today that they might just have to start shopping, uh, shutting shops. Yeah, I mean, Mike, you know, I've seen the best in people in, in our stores. We've got girls that are off sick, you know. One girl was pregnant, so of course, of course she can't come to work. Another's got asthma, she can't go to work. Mm. But people are going into our stores, right? They say, look, I've worked in the pub trade for the last 10, 12 years. I know how to use a till. I'll come and work here. Because they want to try and, not so much for the money, because they want to do their bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it is, it's a stand. But then on the other hand, you see people just going into, and then when they sell it to 50, and I, and I saw the girl, she went in the other day. And she said, oh, have you got any brand of cigarettes? And the girl behind the till said, no. She said, oh, no, they've got none of the, uh, the shop down the road either. She said, oh, well, no. I'll what, so they're actually bulk buying cigarettes as well? <laughs> Dear God. Blimey. Listen, Darren, thanks very much indeed. Great show today. Thanks for everybody who called in. Uh, Darren as well, uh, finishing us off there, but uh, with a bit of bad news, but never mind. Imagine bulk buying cigarettes. For God's sake, stop it. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.